Welcome to the Innovative Teaching Podcast. I am your host, Jeanette Schaefer, from the Center for Teaching and Learning at South Mountain Community College in Phoenix, Arizona. And our goal, as always, for this podcast is to introduce some new ideas and encourage you to think outside the box when it comes to teaching and learning. Today we have Cyan Proctor. I know she's been a guest on our show before, and we have her back. And this show will be a little bit more specific to our South Mountain Community College faculty, but it's about sabbatical. So even though you're not within the Maricopa Community College District system, your institution probably offers something similar. So hopefully you can still walk away with some idea. So we'll start off with what is a sabbatical? At Maricopa Community Colleges, we have the opportunity that faculty can propose an idea for a, a project, a research project, even to obtain a master's or a PhD degree. And they can have paid time off to actually work and explore and professionally develop themselves. That's kind of the overall. But Cyan, she's one of our expert sabbatical faculty because she's just been awarded her third sabbatical. So I want her to explain a little bit more what actually is the sabbatical. Like, what do you do when you get a sabbatical? Thanks, Jeanette. You know, uh, a sabbatical is one of those amazing perks, I would say, of being in the Maricopa Community College District. And a lot of universities offer sabbaticals. And like you were saying, it's a time to engage in, dive deep into professional development, to really look at something that you need to accomplish. Maybe that's a higher education degree or some kind of new technology um, that you want to learn. And What's, what it is not is, is it's not a vacation. A lot of times right. people think, oh, I'm going on sabbatical. Oh, you must be going on vacation, a paid vacation. But no, that's not the case. And I know from the – so I'm on the committee that helps to score the sabbaticals when they're submitted. I'm currently on that. And that's one thing. When people put in travel, it is really, really looked at to make sure that the travel is necessary in completing the project or the research. So yes, it's not a vacation, although it could feel like a vacation because you're doing what you're passionate about. That's true. The nice thing about it is when you are awarded a sabbatical, you can take either a semester or a full year off, academic year off. And so I've been fortunate in that in my 20 years at at South Mountain Community College, I've been awarded three sabbaticals now. My first sabbatical was Every sixth year, we can apply to take our seventh year off. And so seven years into working full-time at South Mountain Community College, I was also doing my dissertation work at Arizona State University. And so I applied to take that year off, my seventh year off, to do a sabbatical to write and defend my dissertation. And I don't, I'd probably still be working on it today had I not (laughs) got that sabbatical. I was. (laughs) So I ended up going and being at ASU, basically full time, finishing up my dissertation. And so that meant that I had already collected all my data, but I needed to do all the analysis of my data, working with my major professors and, and do all the writing 
that was required. And then also coming, that was in the fall semester. And then in the spring semester, I got ready to defend. And I actually defended, I believe, in March of my sabbatical year, which allowed me enough time to do all the revisions that were necessary so I could publish and graduate May of my sabbatical year. So it was a full-on hardcore project to finish up. And and that's wonderful because I think I was on the three or four-year plan. I was still working Mm full-time and having a baby and yeah, it would have been nice to have that sabbatical to just focus and knock it out in a short period of time. Absolutely. And because I, that was, it took me eight years. Right. Because the first six, seven years was part time, just like that. Yes. And, and so a lot of times people think, oh, you're getting time off to take your dissertation. Well, for faculty, because we're so busy during the school year, we can only do this part time and getting that sabbatical to be able to go and concentrate fully on finishing up is is really helpful. Yes, it is. And I think that's one of the reasons why Maricopa Community College District supports people doing their sabbatical to finish their um, degree. And I, I think that's a real asset. Yeah, because the whole purpose of the sabbatical is for faculty to further professionally develop themselves. So exactly. Having that time to get that degree and focus and yes. Yes, yes. yes. And and it, it really has uh, getting my doctorate degree really opened up a lot of opportunities for me as a teacher and the mm-hmm. things that I could do and bring back to my students. So for the second one, you already had your degree. What did you do for the second sabbatical you were awarded? So my second sabbatical was a lot more fun, I would say, because I actually got to design something that I wanted to do for a sabbatical. And so because disasters, science of disasters, is my main research area, I decided that for my second sabbatical, I would try to go to FEMA and work in at the Emergency Management Institute, learning how to de- design curriculum in the area of science for disasters. And so FEMA does a lot with disasters. That's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And they train emergency managers around the world at their institute. It's called uh, EMI, which is the Emergency Management Institute. It's located back east. And so I actually put in my sabbatical to go back east and live and stay on their campus. And I was very fortunate that I was able to work that out. And I lived on the campus and I designed their science of disaster curriculum course for emergency managers. And then I ended up teaching that course for them while I was on sabbatical. Right. Now, how did that benefit me is that that all of that curriculum that I developed, I got to take with me. The federal government's open source. So I got to take all of the emergency management material that I created. And that became the foundation for my geologic disasters class. Nice. Right. Yes, that's perfect where you get to develop it and then just bring it back and adapt it. Exactly. And that's exactly what I did. I adapted it for what I needed. But it was also a great learning experience in that I learned how FEMA deals with emergency managed. I I, I mean, with I learned how FEMA deals with disasters and hazards and things like that. And while I was there, there was a, a disaster and I called up all these people and they trained them and I got to see that process in action. Nice of how they train people, deploy them, and use this material. 
Yeah, so then you have that job experience and knowledge to actually share with your students. Exactly. I think that one of the areas that is quickly coming up for students is being able to get degrees in emergency management. Perfect, perfect. So I think you answered my next question was why do it? But the other one, what does the sabbatical experience, kind of like a typical day, what does that look like when you're on the sabbatical? So typically my third sabbatical was just awarded. That means the 2019-20 academic year I will be at Arizona State University. So I'm going back to where I got my master's and Ph.D., And that was a while ago, so (laughs) Arizona State has changed a lot, so I'm excited to go back there. But what will happen is I've got a project that I'm working on, and it involves augmented and virtual learning spaces. And so it's just like a job. I will go and I will um, get up in the morning. I will go to ASU. I will have my laptop and my workspace and the people I'm collaborating with. And I will be there just like a normal work day working on fulfilling this project. And that was the same way when I was at uh, EMI with FEMA. It was, I right. I got up every day and I had an office and, and I went to work. And it's really interesting to be in a more in a different work environment on a daily basis. Uh, It makes you appreciate what you have when you come back, (laughs) but it also gives you, it it just renews you. You get um, re-energized. So I know some of the sabbatical applications, proposals that come across, they, some people that like to write and are capable Mm -hmm. of writing, they set out to write a book on their sabbatical. Absolutely. And that's probably a best practice or a really good tip is to treat every day like a work day. Absolutely. Set up a schedule, have a, yes. I feel like that's the one way in which you can, you know, the goal, you have a proposal with targeted objectives Mm -hmm. and ultimate goals that you want to accomplish. And you need to really be mindful of your timeline. And one of the things in your sabbatical proposal is coming up with a really detailed timeline that will help you achieve those goals. Yeah, and the committee, I know when we're reviewing those timelines, we really looked, first of all, is it a realistic timeline? Mm -hmm. Can the faculty member complete everything they hope to complete? Mm -hmm. And then we even looked, is there enough work there to simulate an actual work day? Like, are they still working or are they trying to take vacation? Right. And so that's the thing about sabbaticals should have a, a lot of, of content in there and details because you really are matching the work hours that you would normally have while you're at you know, your institution. And so yes. a lot of times people make the mistake when they're writing their sabbatical of not putting in enough objectives and goals to, to really justify taking a full year off or even just a semester. And so sometimes they might write it where they think that it's enough, enough of a goal, enough goals and objectives for a year, but it turns out that it's only just a semester worth right. of work. And then some of them way overestimate. They've got about two years worth yes. of work and they're planning on trying to do it <laughs> right. in one semester. So that timeline really, really helps. I know the committee does look for detail because – we want to make sure the faculty member is going to be successful. We don't want anyone to fail. So we look to see that the timeline is realistic and has enough information that we feel the faculty knows what they're doing, what they need to get done. In addition to that, the one thing we look at are those objectives 
and goal. So goals, objectives match up to that timeline. Right. Because that's another way of making sure the faculty member is going to be successful in, in what they're planning to do. Absolutely. And so having those details and making the connections. Like I could not have done my um, sabbatical at FEMA had I not made connections with the institution that I wanted to work with. And same thing with Arizona State University. I had to really work my connections and get set up with what it is that I'm actually proposing and making sure that they could provide me with the resources and access that I need to be able to be successful. Yeah, that's really, really important too. I know that's one thing we look at is has the person done the pre-planning? Exactly. Have they made the connections? Have they, whatever it is, if they're going into a program, have they been accepted into the program? Mm-hmm. Or, And then as far as who's supporting them or who's sponsoring them, are there letters, you know, showing that they've been, there is an agreement that there will be follow through and there is the opportunity. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that everybody needs to be mindful when they're thinking about writing their, their sabbatical mm-hmm. proposal. Okay, so then the next thing is our sabbaticals are typically due somewhere in September. I think it's in like third, second, third week of September. So if we have a faculty member thinking about submitting a proposal, when should they get started? As soon as possible. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I typically, if I know I have a sabbatical coming up, because you got to keep in mind the timeline. When they talk about proposals due, like say the proposal is due September of 2019. Mm-hmm. So I will have started already in January doing my pre-planning work of where where do I want to go? What do I want to do? How do I want to get accomplished? This is just mental task kind of mm-hmm. starting to think about what is it that I really want to take this time off to do and accomplish. And then I start thinking about um, by about this time, which is March, I start thinking about, okay, realistically, what outside resources do I need to be mm-hmm. able to accomplish this? It beca- and the reason why I'm saying that it's so early is because, again, you're going to have to create these relationships. So this might right. start with when I did FEMA, I did not know anybody at FEMA. And and in the, the spring semester before I put in my proposal, I literally went on the website found an email and sent a random email introducing myself and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be able to take a sabbatical off. It's not for another whole year, Mm -hmm. but I'm reaching out now. Do you think that we could work something out? And it took them about three weeks, four weeks to get back to me. But they came back with a, yes, we think we can work something out. And so then I started working out because they take time. They were a federal agency. They needed to to clear everything legally and have the right kind of language. So then over the next couple of months, we were literally working on what will that um, letter of intent look like and and who's got to sign it on their end. And so I kept telling them, being mindful that, okay, I have to turn this in in September you know, and so I didn't get the actual letter that I needed probably until August. But right. I started that conversation early enough so that we were successful in getting that, you know, exactly letting them know that I'm coming for free, mm-hmm. you know, and that they that I wasn't going to be a burden on their system. But in exchange, would they be able to host me on their campus and things like that? Little details. 
I know in some situations that doesn't work out for faculty. So their plan A doesn't right. work out and they have to have time to have a plan B and maybe even a plan C. Exactly. And that's why it's always good, you, you know, to know when you're eligible for sabbatical and then start that pre-planning as early as you can so that all of those little details can be worked mm-hmm. out. So when do you actually start writing, writing I, the proposal? Are you I, still writing during this time or no, you wait typically, till a little bit later? I, typically what will happen is I might start in the end of summer, write it before, like so August is okay. when I would typically begin writing knowing that it's due in September. But again, it depends on how much you have to write. So right. so I like to, if, if I'm, for this last one I just did, I had everything written Probably by mid-August, because okay. then I was sending it out to my people who mm-hmm. needed to help me write it um, to to go over and and edit it and to score it based on the rubric. So these are individuals that were. Um, I shared it not only with the people I was going to be working with at ASU right. and everybody who's involved in my sabbatical to get to so that they knew what it was that I was proposing to do. But then I had outside editors that were friends of mine that are very reliable, very good at scoring and looking for grammar and kind of the way in which I'm wording things to make sure that it is as clear as possible. Yes, because I know with yours, yours was uh, virtual reality. and, Mm -hmm. And one thing sometimes on the committee we struggle with, they're putting in their lingo and their content but the average person outside of that content area, it's not clear exactly what they're trying to do. So that was smart. And I think, you know, just reviewing sabbaticals in general, I think that's one thing you do different than a lot of other faculty is you had a minimum of three people, didn't you, that at I least did. read through as far as editing and... Absolutely. Okay. So I got feedback from you being the person who is our sabbatical person on campus. It's really right. important to work uh, closely with you. And then I had two people externally who read and gave me feedback on it. And one of my, he, the person that I've relied on a lot was the formal v, VP for South Mountain Community College. And he has a 100% success rate with helping people get sabbaticals. Nice. So even though he's been retired for, um, wow, a decade, I still email him and I'm like, it's time for my sabbatical. Can you read this and help me? And and he's been gracious enough to do that every single time. And if I remember correctly, you said one person that reviewed for you just ripped it apart. Oh, yeah, that was him. Oh, okay, he, that was him. He, he, he said, send it over along with the scoring, and he ripped it apart. And if you were to see the first version that I sent him and the final version that got submitted, it's night and day. Completely different. And I know as faculty, a lot of times we don't like that level of criticism because mm-hmm. it, it can be, you know, it, it kind of sets you back in your seat. It's like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Right. So, but in the end, it really makes a better product. It does. I mean, it helped me clarify my voice. And and so I needed that feedback. And I, to me, I, I, I mean, I don't consider myself the strongest writer. So I'm like... Give me whatever thoughts you you can, but little tips and tricks. Even some of my colleagues who are also writing sabbaticals, they sh- we shared with each other what we were doing. And one of my friends, um, who was also awarded a sabbatical for this upcoming year, she had a fantastic timeline. And I literally said at the last minute before turning it in, "Can I steal your timeline and use it in mine?" And she was like, "Yes, go ahead." And 
it really added that last added uh, bit of, of, I guess, needed formatting. Right. Yeah, because that timeline's important. I know you you think you just kind of just rough it out. Mm-hmm. It's not only important for the committee, it's really important for the faculty. Because once they start getting into the sabbatical, in order to stay focused and stay on track, that thing comes in. It's so handy. Absolutely. So that literally, that is what I'm going to print out. It's in a binder. And then I will use that as my guide. And as I go along, I'm trying to check off the the things that are in my sabbatical to make sure that I'm hitting those markers. Yes. So with our sabbaticals, we do have a rubric. And I highly recommend, just from the committee perspective, I highly recommend using that rubric as you're, you know, writing and editing your sabbatical any input on the rubric as far as... Right to the rubric. Because right that rubric. is okay. what they score. And so they are going to be looking at those points and make it as clear as possible for the, so that they don't have to um, work hard to <laughs> give you those points. So I like to bullet, I like to format everything to the rubric so that if there's a title that's like... Um, the goals, mm-hmm. and it's worth so many points, then in my proposal, I'll have the goals in bold as a header. And right. then below that, I will detail out what those goals are. That's very smart, because I know sometimes we get proposal and it's like, okay, I don't know where this is. I don't know where that is. And then it gets confusing and you're not sure, okay, do they know what they're doing? Because right. I can't find the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it easy for them to find the information. So wrapping up, We've shared a lot of information, but are there any final tips and suggestions for someone that's writing their very first sabbatical? My uh, tip and suggestion is don't be afraid to ask for help. Get examples. If you know what you kind of want to do, then work with your sabbatical rep to find successful examples in the past. So if you're going to go and finish up your doctorate, then ask for examples of proposals, doctorate proposal sabbaticals that have been funded. So then you can see how they, what they wrote about. And, and that will give you an idea of the scope and the process of what it looks like. I agree. And I believe every sabbatical rep has, we keep a handful Mm -hmm. of sabbaticals on hand so that people are able to come in and just kind of see the formatting. And and there's no one right format. You just need to make sure it's formatted and you have it organized. Exactly. But I think what's good about it is it gives you an idea of what's been successful in the past. Yes. Yes. Well, I believe that's it. We will be running sabbatical workshops and writing sessions. I know most of the campuses do that. We have presentations that we can share. MSLI at the district office has a really good website. It has the rubric and everything on it. So there are plenty of resources. Just You just have to ask and, and start writing. And I just want to leave by just saying that a lot of times people are afraid to take a sabbatical because maybe financial reasons. If, if We're fortunate that you can take just a one-semester sabbatical, and it's 100% of your salary. Yes, base salary. Base salary. Right. And then, but also people, like I'm a department of one, and so a lot of my colleagues have said, well, aren't you worried about, you know, your your program being um, not surviving going on sabbatical? And I tell them, no, because one, I'm going to hire the best one-year-only replacement for me, but also the material and the information I'm going to bring back to my program is going to make it 
stronger than it ever was before. Yeah, and it'll just enhance your it program. will enhance it, and and I think that um, that's far more important to stay current and to stay relevant and to be update with the best practices in teaching and learning than it is to be afraid that um, by taking that time off to do this project, your program is going to suffer. And if you start a year early, kind of like you said, you start prepping, Mm -hmm. you can have your courses to a point where it's ready for someone to step in for a year and Absolutely. All my, I will give whoever my OYO is, they will get all of the courses already developed for the most part and where they can go in and then adapt it to their strengths. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So there's no reason to not do one, right? That's correct. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Cyan. We appreciate it so much. Thank you very much for joining our podcast today. And please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We will see you next week on the Innovative Teaching Podcast.